And the Oscar goes to. And the Oscar goes to. Please be kind, especially when we don't know what's going on. So what I got? Movies are dreams that you never forget. Hey there, this is Russ Matthews from Real Dialogue and my co-host, Laura Bennett from Hope 103.2. And today is The Watch List. The Watch List, we look forward, we look back, and we look side to side at all things about film and faith. It's a podcast with a bit of a twist where we look at the latest offerings in cinemas and on streaming. But then on top of it, we look at kind of key themes um, that we kind of see in cinema, as well as kind of looking at some of the bigger questions that these movies pose. Today... It feels like team spirit. Yes. We're looking at teams or kind of maybe dysfunctional teams in a way because we'll be reviewing Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 3. We're going to look at the streaming option of Peter Pan and Wendy. And then we're going to look at some great films that include some unlikely teams yeah. as we kind of go through and do this together. So we're going to start with Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 3, mm -hmm. right? And so how if I just go through and kind of get it set up? Does that sound yes, good? Yes, and we, there may be elements of spoilers in this because we, mm. we can't really talk about this film right. with the passion and consideration without delving into some elements, but we'll try to keep it as spoiler-free as possible. But just a heads up, you may learn things about the movie that you, you know, don't want to know yet. Exactly. So, you know, you can always kind of forward through or come back to it after the, you've seen the film yourself. We can do it that way. Um, but I think this is going to be a lot of fun because, yes. I don't know, did you enjoy the movie? I did enjoy it. I did. Because for me, The Guardian's little corner of the the MCU <laughs> is one of the more fun, joyful, yes. lighthearted spaces. And so I was excited to see a third one coming out and the fact that they did keep that part of the Guardian's identity intact. Right. Yeah. So I'm, I'm, I really can't wait to keep talking about it because there's some definitely some key things. I think a lot of things that people will want to know, but I'll here, I'll just kind of try and set things up for the audience. So we're after Endgame and also we're kind of after the brief adventures that the Guardians of the Galaxy when they partnered with Thor. And so we find ourselves on the planet or the space station called Nowhere. And so Peter is kind of still pining after Gamora. Uh -huh. Gamora and the loss of Gamora. And I'm not trying to be trivial, but it's it's he's still doing that. And then, But yet the rest of the team is kind of finding their feet and de determining how they're going to kind of live on this, this space station. But then it's interrupted by Adam Warlock. Where Adam Warlock comes in and tries to kidnap Rocket, um, our furry little friend, but it, the the team was able to thwart his efforts, but it does leave Rocket injured, and mm. so what it, that means is that they have to go and find the remedy for his injury, and really that's the whole film is them trying to kind of find out how they can save their furry friend. Yeah, and the story ends up centering on the backstory of Rocket, who we haven't really learned a lot about over the course of the Guardians movies. Like right. there's, there's little hints about his history, and at times there were some scenes of this movie that reminded me of Wolverine, where you, you know, when you learn oh, how, wow. how Wolverine got his claws. Nice X-Men pull it, it like did, that. It really felt like that to me because you learn why Rocket, for one, how did he become a talking raccoon and all of the different kind of skills he has, how did he acquire them? Sure, yeah. Oh, yeah, definitely. I think I think that's a great one. So it is kind of Rocket's origin story yeah. in so many different ways. And, and I think that there's a reason for that and we won't spoil things, but I think there's definitely a reason for that. But before we get into it, I'm kind of curious. I, this these, this whole franchise, part of the franchise, has been around for over nine years. First one it's came wild. out in 2014. yeah. Who, which one of the characters do you relate with the most? It's a good question because, they, I mean, there's so many 
elements of this team that feel familiar, like the frustration of Mantis with Drax sometimes and the way she's just like, oh, you're being such a buffoon and why? And the way she responds sometimes, I go, I feel how you feel. I may not express it the same way you do because she just suddenly yells. She's very, like, extreme in her reaction sometimes. But then I also think on a more personal level, the way that Peter handles his situation, mm, Star-Lord right. Peter Quill, I kind of relate to him a little bit because in this movie, without saying too much, you just see in him the weight of all of the years of everything that he's experienced. Like he has lost Gamora, he's lost other people that are close to him, he's a human with a human history but living, you know, with these people from all different parts of the world and it's like someone coined the phrase to me the other day of resilience fatigue oh. where our ability to be resilient in the face of different situations collectively in so many ways that's being exhausted and i think i saw that in in peter right. the the res, the exhaustion the resilience fatigue that he's faced over the lifetime of his character so far and i think personally i go i can kind of understand that where it's like you've been hit again and again and again sure. and you're kind of like Oh, just there's a lot that's happened, you know, and right. how do we move forward from that? And what are we going to what are we going to do with the people around us as we face like yet another kind of battle? There you go. I love it. So you relate with Peter, but then also Mant uh, Mant Mantis, Mantis yep. in yep. a way. Yeah, I, I would have to say Rocket is probably my favorite character. Really? Right? I don't know why. Not just because I'm a hairy man <laughs> that I can relate with him. But yeah. it's, there's something about him that he has the best lines probably in the all of the franchise. Mm -hmm. And then on top of it, though, he also has this kind of need um, to kind of connect with Groot. The Groot is really kind of his support team, but yet yeah. he's the brains behind it all. But yet he knows that he needs Groot mm. and the team, even though he doesn't want to admit it all the time. So I, I really, I really do like it. So I love yeah. the fact that they've kind of done this kind of origin side yeah. of it. And that but is something I like about Guardians as a team. They operate as you know the entirety of all of them, but then they also have their their like you know Groot has Rocket, Mantis has Drax. They kind of do have their little, not like spin-off teams, but there's certainly relationships and bonds that sure. are more important to each of them, and then that contributes to the overall group. It definitely does. I, I think that it kind of stands out within this whole, within what makes this work is that there's a lot of elements that you've already brought up. I think that the humor um, yeah. is hilarious, I, and that they've stayed true to that, and they really mm. kind of stayed within the identity of who... The Guardians are. It's fun. But then on top of it, it's a fantastic soundtrack. Oh, yeah. The soundtrack for Guardians movies is what sets them apart from so many others in the MCU. And I like in this movie that there are moments where they, they nod to that. They know that. You know, the filmmakers are obviously self-aware enough to realize that the soundtrack is part of the reason the fans love Guardians. Definitely. And so within the movie itself, they do celebrate the music of the movies. And it takes me back, actually, to the Christmas special that they did for Guardians. Ah, right. Because the music in that was pretty cool and it was filmed on the same set as Volume 3. So when you, if you've watched the Christmas special, when you come into Volume 3, there is like this connection, this, the celebratory atmosphere, the holiday atmosphere, right. I think spills over into what they ended up doing overall with this movie. Yeah. Well, now that, that brings up a really good point. So do you need to see the Christmas special and do you need to see all of the other Guardians or even Marvel films mm. to even get what's going on in this one? Look, I'm sure by this point, if you're watching Volume 3, you've probably seen the other ones because the, the, the Marvel journey, I don't imagine there's many people who are saying, now's my time to jump on. I want to see what this is all about. <laughs> and if you are, hey, welcome to the party. I don't think you need to have necessarily seen 
every single Marvel movie, but you certainly want to have seen the other Guardians films. Yes. And if you if you have seen the Christmas special, I think it at least helps you set the tone for this movie and just enjoy that kind of special side of things. But you don't have to. You don't have to have seen it. The stories don't no. relate. Um, and there's obviously a lot more depth to what they're doing with the full version of the film than just that little one but it, it just it's kind of fun and they do nod to the Christmas special a little bit in certain scenes that you yeah, can pick do. up yeah they do. and again we don't want to spoil it but again the Christmas special is only about a half an hour long you can yeah. catch it on Disney plus so it's, it's probably worthwhile kind of catching it but as far as um do you see there being a future for the Guardians and as you kind of move forward without spoiling it obviously mm. do you think that this is it was it well, completely the end do you think or what we know that it's the end for this particular version like we know that this is James Gunn's final, you know, film right. with Marvel. This is his last Guardians and we know that. Everyone knows that going in. But I think the identity that has been created with this team and their place in the overall story, I think we're just going to have to wait and see. Yeah. There's certainly different hints and suggestions made within this movie, but I don't know where it's going to go next. I don't know where they want to take the character of Star-Lord and where it could all end up. But yeah. I, I hope there's more because the Guardians is definitely one of my favorite parts of the MCU. Oh, I agree with you. I, I really think that it is probably one of the most refreshing and and different. It, it just yeah. it, 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 get, it offers something new and different to it all. And it's not exhausting. No. It like the, Chris Pratt said that this movie was special, it's painful, it's beautiful, and it is all of those things. Like this isn't just a lighthearted movie. No. There's definitely some emotional moments that really get you and some really difficult themes. Like there is animal abuse in this. We do see uh, trafficking talked about. We do see them questioning the existence of God and how does humanity play into this overarching desire for perfection that some people have like there's it's not a trivial movie no but they do well to combine that depth with the fun that you love of these characters and I, and I think that's something that really probably needs to be said it's probably one of the most mature of all of mm. these films as well as the MCU as far as some of the language some of the violence and the and some of the different themes that come up and so that's just something to be aware of that that even though this is still marketed to children being from graphic novels or comic books however you want to call it but yet it is probably for those that are maybe 10 years in age of older yeah. as far well, as just kind of some of the things that they'd have to it's handle. Gr it's grown up with the fans, right? Like right. You might have been 13 when you first saw these movies, but you're definitely not anymore, and so it's had to kind of grow with us. Right, definitely. All right. Now, so final question before we move on to the next film. So does this deserve to be on everyone's watch list? Oh, I would say yes. I, I Unless, I mean, if you don't like Marvel and you just hate this whole genre, no, don't watch it. You're not going to like it. Right. But if you are someone who enjoys these movies, who's been following along absolutely go and watch it because I I think I've spoken on this podcast before about the general superhero fatigue and just kind of over it with the blockbusters that many of us have gone through. But I do think that the latest Guardians of the Galaxy movie got volume three. It's got something to offer that is worth experiencing, especially on the big screen. And it's it's got the kind of sound that is like cinema rumbling kind right. of sound in the oh, way they do it. it. I you? felt it. Like oh, it, it was not, it. what do they call it? Like 40X or something? The, the fully surround experience. It wasn't one of those cinemas, but you feel like you're in that experience because your chair is literally like rumbling in different exactly. parts of the movie. Oh, I, I, I agree with you completely. I, I think that it's it's a must-see. I'm going to actually even take a step out there and say it's probably besides Spider-Man No Way Home, which is kind of more of a Sony film, mm. I would probably say this is one of the best films in the MCU since Endgame mm. uh, as far as the, the quality of it. Well, but then also even though, because it is two and a half hours long. 
So, I mean, for people to be able to sit in there that long, I think it's justified because they're trying to kind of tie off all these different loose ends, not only for Guardians, but also for the MCU in a lot of ways. And so, in a way, I think that it's definitely worthwhile and should be on your watch list. If you want to go through and see it, it's definitely worth a while. All right. Looking forward, uh, we're also going to look at another one. Now, this one is a whole different side of teams, mm-hmm. as it were, but this one has been around for over a century, if you yeah. can believe about it. But it's Peter Pan and Wendy. Yes, Peter Pan the movie Wendy. itself hasn't been around that long, but no. the character of Peter Pan certainly has. 1902 I know. was his first appearance. <laughs> and then depending how old you are, you might have seen him in the 1953 movie. Right. Which just is sort of speaks to the fact that multiple generations have got to enjoy the story of this boy that doesn't want to grow up. Exactly. Well, so, okay, so now, so the new one we have is Peter Pan and Wendy, and it's coming out on, it's out on Disney Plus, and four families, and it's, it's that familiar story, but can you tell me, is it any different than what we've seen in the past, and what, what does it have on offer? Yeah, so what they're doing a little bit differently this time around, instead of focusing on Peter specifically and his story, they're focusing on Wendy and her story, which is much more along the lines of, uh, well, it is, about a young girl who doesn't want to go to boarding school. She's Her mum right. is kind of pressuring her to step into that, to become the sort of quote-unquote woman she needs to be, get the education she needs to be, to become the kind of woman that will have success in society. Wendy's pushing back on that, saying, I don't really want those restrictions. I don't necessarily want to become that kind of woman. And then in the in her dreams, the magical fairy Tinkerbell appears and then gives her access <laughs> to Neverland along with her brothers where she meets Peter. They have adventures. They go up against the evil you know, pirate Captain Hook, uh, which is played by Jude Law. So right. it is a familiar story, but they just focus on a different side of it right. than what we might have seen before. Okay. So, I mean, it went straight to Disney+. Plus. It didn't go to cinemas. Um, so it's your live action version, which we've had a few of these over the years as far as Peter Pan keeps showing up in cinemas every once in a while so did you enjoy it i will say not really oh i think that what was missing from me for this was that magic the the, the spirit and energy of a truly imaginative exciting young adults adventure and it's it's hard for this movie to do well in my eyes because i grew up watching hook like hook with robin williams and the sheer you know, I don't know how to describe it. Like you're just taken into this other world and it's like anything is possible and there's something so exciting that it captures about the childhood heart that to go from something like that that really shaped my experience with Peter Pan and even a movie like Finding Neverland with uh, Johnny Depp, Kate right. Winslet, that story, there, there's something that those movies do with the Peter Pan story that Peter Pan and Wendy just doesn't. Like, yes, it's an adventure. Yes, you've got kids exploring Neverland and there's some beautiful scenery and everything like that. But it just doesn't take us to the level of even a movie like Narnia, right. Lion, the Witch in the no. Wardrobe. It just doesn't have what makes those films so great. And so for me, it me- meant that Peter Pan and Wendy was a little bit, a little bit dull, not quite what I wanted it to be. Like you can tell Jude Law is having the best fun, bringing some credibility, just playing Captain Cook. But it's just like, all right, yeah, thanks. Like it's a, it's another thing on the Disney list and, yeah, go watch it, have fun. But I don't think it's going to be that kind of generational icon that no. some of the other Peter Pan-related movies have been. Yeah. I mean, I think it definitely gives some options for families. I think that, that it is – this one is pretty much safe and very few as far as controversies. With every single live-action film that comes out, there seems yeah. to be a controversy that comes along with that. But yet with this one, not so much. It pretty much stays pretty true to the story. I mean, they try to lift – 
Hook as being a little bit more human um, mm-hmm. in this one. Um, I'll be honest, I've never been a huge Peter Pan fan. Mm-hmm. I loved Robin Williams in Hook. Because yeah. I thought it was the first time that they really kind of did something where they made Peter Pan wasn't just a spoiled brat mm-hmm. that it was trying to get away with doing not growing up kind of thing. Yeah. But while this one... Still has stayed pretty true to the story. You're, you're not going to be too disappointed if you're going to be watching it as a family together and enjoying kind of the very familiar aspects of it. But it is a bit dark. And yeah. it is a, definitely kind of goes down um, kind of darker paths that probably for the little ease might not be as may, may not be as appealing. No, and it, it sort of speaks to the bigger conversation, at least what I was pulling away from it, was why are we so fascinated with childhood? Why do we, why do we have this sense that somehow growing up is a kind of failure? Which right. within the story of Peter Pan, they always seem to be touching on. Like he doesn't want to grow up, but I think the bigger takeaway is not about like let's never become mature because how irritating would that be? Like no right. one likes the person who's childish and immature, but what we're trying to retain as we move from childhood to adulthood is that sense of curiosity and wonder and imagination that you can lose when you become so familiar with the world. Do you lose that idea of looking at life with possibility? But then when I watched this movie, I sort of thought, well, yes, let's retain that. But let's not forget that adulthood is actually a way to empower the dreams and ideas of your childhood because you are a little bit older. You've got a bit more life experience. You've got resource behind you to fuel the things that you dreamt of as a kid. And you've also built up, hopefully, a bit of a community that support you along the way. Yeah. So, I uh, like there was just some sort of, there was some questions to ask at the end of it, I thought. Yeah, yeah, I, th- I think so too. It wasn't, it wasn't a great film, but it definitely was, it wasn't a bad film. And when it yeah. comes to, if you want to sit down and enjoy it as a family, I think that, that would probably be able to say. Now, one thing that's kind of comes from the whole, since Peter Pan's been around, is they call it the Peter Pan syndrome um, of people not wanting to grow up. We all have our friends that are like that. And we all have different family members that are like that. But there are also, <laughs> there's films that mm. kind of exemplify this. I don't know. Do you have like a favorite Peter Pan syndrome film that, you know, those those adults who just don't want to grow up? I don't know for me if it's a specific movie or an attitude that you see. Like the first film that came to mind for me with this was actually 21 Jump Street with oh, Jonah wow. Hill, <laughs> oh, yeah. Channing Tatum, because it's almost, it's almost like we want to do adulthood with this kind of childlike immaturity, like be grown men but get right. away with stuff that's way more adolescent and immature. That that to me is what I notice. Sure. Like it's not that they don't want to grow up, but it's like they still want to be. We still want to have this like renegade, trashy kind of thing yeah. going on sometimes. But that's not necessarily a reflection of like mature adulthood. And that's not to say adulthood has to be boring and no, straight laced and all of those things. Fun. Not at all. But I do think there's this kind of cultural idea that sits around never growing up or never like never abandoning a mischief that isn't necessarily the best thing, but. That's what I think of. Yeah, sure. Well, it's pretty much every Adam Sandler film. I mean, yeah. he and his mates, when they always kind of get together, The Big Lebowski, um, all these different ones. I, I felt, though, that for some reason, whenever I think of the Peter Pan syndrome, which it may not be directly tied to it, it's the film Big with mm. Tom Hanks. And it's where he wants to be an adult, but then realizes that adulthood isn't all that crash hot and wants to be 
a child again because he's actually a child in a man's body. And it's this beautiful film that I think people can really still connect with. Yeah. Because it's the wanting on both both sides. We think yeah. we want to be grown up. But, oh, actually, I don't know if I want bills. Yeah. Well, you know? and it's like you, I think it's thinking about like what, what are the things, and it's probably different across different cultures, but it's like what are the things in adulthood that you don't like, that you're trying to resist so much? Like is it... Is it that you feel like there's going to be boundaries put upon you that you don't want? Is it that, you know, the responsibilities you're going to carry are kind of beyond you? Or is it that you think you're just going to become stale and uninteresting? Like, sure. all, I think if we can drill down on what we think adulthood has, uh, you know, about it that makes it negative, it's like, well, counteract that actually, because you don't have to be stale. You don't have to be burdened by responsibilities in a negative way. Like, yes, you're going to have parameters and boundaries that all of our lives have, but you can do those things, approach those things with a less restrictive mindset, I think. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, there you go. So, okay, the, should the Peter Pan and Wendy be on the watch list? <sighs> I think not watching it is going to be okay. Like if you don't if you don't watch it, you're not missing out on anything. But if you are looking for just a nice, you know, weekend watch with the family, something the kids can enjoy, you can sit there together. It's a pretty harmless it's a harmless movie. It's a harmless movie. Oh, yeah. Go enjoy it. But I don't think you need to race to quickly stream it anytime soon. No. And probably it sounds like you should go back and watch Hook. Yeah, go back and watch Hook. I mean, it's a little scarier. I remember as a kid being a little scared of that. So it depends on the age, but absolutely. Just go watch Hook. Enjoy Robin Williams. Exactly. All right, so now kind of just moving to the next step, we're looking back and looking at other films. As far as we're looking at different teams, people Mm. that when you first see them on screen, because I don't know about you, when I first saw Guardians of the Galaxy, it took me a little while to kind of connect because I'm going, this is so different than anything else in the MCU. But then all these different teams, these different Mm. characters, do I like them? Do I not? And it, it works in the end. But the same goes with a bunch of misfits. There's a whole bunch of films out there that probably would be kind of more of a misfit kind of thing, but yet they seem to work. That's what you get with the best teams, though, because even with Guardians, they're almost like their own little group of Avengers that sits within the bigger Avenger story. You know, like Thor, Captain America, all of these other ones, they don't have their own crew. Only Guardians has that, and it's the way that each of those characters are so different, are so unique, rub each other up the wrong way. All of them have a part to play in the success of the overall group, and the fun and identity of that team comes down to the individual nuances of each of them. Well, I I think that that's actually what really makes us love these characters. We're going to go through a list real quick, but I also look at why we even love them. And I think that they do show for us kind of this beauty of that we all have value, we all have purpose, Mm. and and also to be kind of desiring to be something that we're not instead of wanting to be that, opposed to really seeing our purpose and role Mm. in whatever team that we're a part of. And in this film too, they do drill down on the unique contribution that each team member has a whole lot more than they have in others as well. Like they really get into that, particularly with Drax, I noticed that. But what are some of the other movies you liked where you think teams were a strong suit? Yeah, definitely. Well, going back to probably one of my favorite comedies would have to be Ocean's Eleven. So I I think Ocean's Eleven is one of my favorites. Um, Looking at The Italian Job, which I don't know if you remember The Italian Job. Yes. The Italian Job was a great one. Mark Wahlberg and Ed Norton. Charlize Theron. Yeah, yeah, Charlize Theron and uh, definitely. And then um, I'll bring up Ghostbusters. <laughs> yep. Yep. I mean, talked about a bunch of misfits, and they they really shouldn't work, but they do work mm-hmm. in the end. But I'm gonna have to probably say my favorite, which this is a 
truly a throwback, and yeah. it's not necessarily a comedy, and it's a little bit more of a mature film, is The Untouchables. Um, oh, yeah. All the way back to Kevin Costner playing, you know, Elliot Ness. It's kind of a fictitious view of actual mm. history because he's going after Al Capone, who's played by Robert De Niro. It's <laughs> so good. But then uh, Sean Connery actually won the Academy Award for this film mm. as far as his role. And then Andy Garcia was introduced, if you can yep. imagine, in this film. But they're just this band of misfits. They really shouldn't be doing what they're doing, but they do manage to bring down one of the greatest villains of all time or as yeah. far as um in the al capone character and so it's it's a great one as far as misfits i really mm. kind of think that it really works and yeah. it still stands up even today it's a beautiful film but you would, well i would say to your oceans 11 oceans 8 oh okay. absolutely is there for the me ladies. i really enjoyed yeah i mean yeah. i really enjoyed the way they approached the oceans universe can we call it the oceans universe sure but they they brought something different to it that i i mean i love sandra bullock i love you know Anne hathaway in that kate blanchett they just i don't know i really enjoyed it yeah so i like that one i also thinking of this as well took me on a little like a kind Here of other go. tangent to babysitters club <laughs> the team you know, the club kind of working to get their I'll pocket money. I'll be honest, money. I haven't seen the babysitters Doesn't club. Doesn't surprise me, but I think <laughs> that, that you know, it's, it's one of those kind of team-based sort of movies that I think really, it did shape, particularly for, like, young girls that watched oh, it, yeah. that idea of, like, your squad, your crew, and these people that, you know, you work together on things. And then also something like The Little Rascals. Oh, like these, <laughs> there you go. I love The Little <laughs> Rascals. And, it, again, that's one, that's one of those movies that captures the childhood camaraderie that you can enjoy with your friends. Sure. And how that shapes, you know, all of us growing up, the people that we consider our besties when we're little, like the way that influences our lives later. But then I also, thinking of Sean Connery, oh, okay. come Ooh, to good. the League of Extraordinary Gentlemen. Oh, That yes. was meant to be, that was meant to be a multiple movie franchise. And it should have been. It should have been. I enjoyed it, but not enough other people enjoyed it because it never really got off the ground. No. But I loved the League of Extraordinary Gentlemen at the time. Phenomenal film and a great suggestion and a great one to be able to, be able to look back. But then on top of yeah. it, a band of misfits that really shouldn't have worked well together, but 100%. they do. They do work well together. They so, do. Bring it back. Petition for a sequel. It's <laughs> about time. Right. Come on. Bring it all back. Oh, I, you know, there's some great films and there's some great suggestions. Well, we kind of wrap up. We're kind of coming down to the end of our time. But one of the things we always look, look side to side, so looking at some of the kind of the key ideas, we've already brought up some um, as we've kind of been talking through this, but... Is there anything that kind of stands out um, within this kind of looking at the misfits, looking mm. at the dysfunctional teams that kind of stands out for you when it kind of comes to even looking at the biblical or you know, biblical ideas? Look, I think we're all misfits when it comes down to it. That's what you learn because these movies would not relate to us if we didn't feel a sense of connection to the characters. And the reason we feel a sense of connection is because all of us in our own ways, no matter who you are, what you know, level of society or group you think you fit into, all of us are outsiders in some respect. All right. of us have something about us that makes us not really fit in in particular contexts. Like there's no one who doesn't have that feeling, I think. And that's why these movies resonate with people so much. And I think speaks to the fact that regardless of whether or not you feel like a misfit, you still have a place. Yeah. Like there's there's still a place for each of us, even if it's with a ramshackle bunch of all sorts that is an okay place to fit. And in fact, it's a really enjoyable place to fit. And each of us do have a role and a purpose to play in those kind of spaces we find ourselves in. And like we see in the Guardians team, that only makes it better. 
The differences we bring only make it better. The quirky right. sense of humor, the different ways we approach the same situation. And perhaps, you know, when you think about the biblical tie-in, it's that idea of it's all, you know, we're all one body, but we're all different parts of that mm. body. We can't function and have the same intention as everybody else, but overall, all together, we're actually shaping up something pretty cool. It is. Oh, it is. I mean, I think I love the fact that you bring in that kind of the whole 1 Corinthians 12 and looking at the fact that ear, the foot, the mouth, everything kind of has a different role. And they re we really can't function, though, without it. It kind of even goes back to the whole rocket Groot thing. They need one another. Mm -hmm. They really make, they're better as a whole than they are separately. And I think that that's what that's the beauty of this. And not only because the one Corinthians passage is really looking at the body of the Christ, body of Christ or the church itself. And that it's funny to think because I think a lot of people wouldn't think that the Bible has much to say about it. But we even see the actual example in the misfits that were the 12 disciples that were yeah. following along with Jesus yeah. all this time. I and mean, these guys were misfits. I mean, they were not necessarily, they're fishermen. Mm -hmm. They weren't theologians. They weren't, they're tax collectors. What are you doing putting these guys together? But they work together and look at what we're even talking about now. And it yeah. really does work. And I think looking at the idea of the disciples then, let's not forget Jesus handpicked all of them. That's right. He he sought out each of those people to be one of his disciples. And if you think that, you know, you're not welcome in a space or that you're too much of a misfit to be included, whatever it might be, it's like Jesus handpicked misfits. Right. You know, so I think it, it just reminds us of the open invitation that we all have to be part of a bigger picture, a bigger team. And there's purpose and contribution for each of us within that. Yeah, we all bring value. Even if you're a small little raccoon or a plant man, <laughs> you can actually have a part of this and be a part of something bigger than yourself. And I have to shout out a couple of cameos. We, I won't name names, but there are some fantastic cameos in there this. There are. And there is a fantastic line from Groot that is not, I am Groot. That is right. Ooh. Listen out for that. Watch out. Definitely watch out for it. And definitely put your comments down below, you know, in the video or also on, on the podcast. We'd love to be able to kind of see what you think of it once you are able to kind of go through and see it. Because we've come kind of to the end of the watch list once yes, again. Indeed. Our episode, we've kind of come to the end. You can subscribe. Uh, so you can go through and subscribe, obviously, to the podcast and also um, on our YouTube channel when you're looking at that. Make sure you check out everything with Laura when it comes to reviews on Hope 103.2's website and even at Real Dialogue. And I guess we always have to say, hey, this is Russ Matthews and this is Laura Bennett. Yes, indeed. Thank it, you for watching. Yeah, we always love having you. And also make sure you come along next time and look out for the next episode. Where we'll be spending some time together. Grab some popcorn, take a seat, and we'll discuss everything about film and faith on The Watch List. Watch me. Uh, watch me.